This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Really irresponsible reporting from social media. You know, the mention of methamphetamines, but according to social media, I found that extraordinary. Since when did we start quoting these anonymous social media sources? Are they actually journalists? Are they reputable? No, probably not. Fly flow is a new term, <laughs> along with optionality, another Gillan McLaughlin term. Can I just say optionality is not a word? It's like strategization. They don't exist. No job, no op shop, so that's really disappointing. No footy, really disappointing. No fun in our 60th year, disappointing. I've hit rock bottom, I've come back. It's all good. It demonstrates the humour in grief, the politics of grief, the selfishness of grief. Anyway, it's absolutely brilliant. It's all going to be about the gesture, don't you think? It's that effort of acknowledgement rather than everybody rolling their eyes and saying, oh, we've got to do the old traditional Mother's Day lunch. Not an option this year. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Welcome, everybody. It's that time of the week again. It is Don't Shoot the Messenger, episode 126. I'm Caroline Wilson. I'm here with my dear friend, the bookseller, who has changed her business, but it's still thriving. Corrie Perkin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Caro. Hi, everyone. I'm actually not in the studio with you today because we have a special guest, so we thought we would take the rule of two in the studio at one time seriously. So I'm offline, but the bookshop is still going, Caro. We haven't changed the business that much, but there's lots of home deliveries. I seem to be, I feel like a postman, actually. I know how stressful now posties' lives can be. I want to talk about a postman in my screen recommendation for this week, actually, which is a fantastic thing I've discovered on Netflix. We have a special guest today, Corrie. She is going to be introduced at the moment. She is a very, very old friend of the podcast. We're thrilled to have her back. But before we get into the real business, and there is a lot of business today, I need to make an apology. Last week I claimed that... um, More than one million people in America had died of coronavirus. I'm not laughing at that stat. I'm laughing at my ridiculous mistake. That was the amount of people who had actually caught coronavirus in America since it hit their shores. Um, And it was it's obviously a five figure sum in terms of deaths. So, Corrie, I'm embarrassed. But there we are. Of all the errors and mistakes that we've made over the years, Caro, that is probably one of the ones that is right up there, I'm afraid. I know, and no one seems to have picked me up on it, which is, except for my husband, which is good. Thank God for him, otherwise I wouldn't have apologised. Caro, I would just like to respond to one of our potties who, uh, I can't remember whether they emailed in or Instagrammed a couple of weeks ago. When we were doing the self-isolating, we were all offline in different houses with Dr Nick, if you recall. Uh, I I was asked by one of the potties, Corey, is that you in your bed? Are you in bed? Well, yes, actually, I was in bed because it is the quietest room in the house and I was fully clothed, but you are right, listener, I was in bed. I reckon you are today too. Might be. <laughs> by the looks of it. <laughs> um, look, Corey, we're going to talk about our monthly challenges in a moment, but your your monthly challenge of April, and now we're in May, 
brings me. Remember a pinch and a punch in the first of the first of the month. Mm. All these ridiculous childhood sayings are coming back to me lately. But anyway, I pinched and punched Brendan on our walk the other day, and he told me how juvenile I was. Um, Corrie Nicola Whitehead on Facebook. Our friend loves the show, but is disconcerted that you're planning to write a children's book in isolation. They're hard to write, says Nicola. Unless you plan to produce something simple for your grandchildren or extended family, she can't actually imagine you'll be able to knock one up in your spare time. Oh, well, thanks for the vote of confidence, Nicola. <laughs> Look, I don't know how to respond to that really, Caro. <laughs> I wasn't intending to have it published and circulated while in the time of corona. But, <laughs> no, but you, but do, I, you are planning I, on getting it published. I have, made, I have made a little start on it. We'll get to that when we talk about our challenge. But I just wanted to shout out to Jenny, the cat's woman on Instagram. Hi, Caro and Corrie. I discovered your pod about six months ago. And with a great love of books, food, the arts and footy, it has been a wonderful, enriching listening experience for me. Um, so thank you very much, Jenny, for saying that. And she says, um, great for listening during these strange times. And, Cory, I'm very much looking forward to visiting your bookshop sometime in the future when life normalises. Well, we look forward to seeing you too, Jenny. And once again, as I say each week, thank you to people who are contacting us to get their books or to have a book discussion. We love hearing from the Don't Shoot the Messengers. Corrie, we're here thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. We had a lovely meeting with our new sponsors and friends from Red Energy last week. That was absolutely terrific with many of the Croc Media team. Before we, oh, before we go to our main challenge, It was a big Zoom meeting, wasn't it? It was, and I put on lipstick and um, sat in front of my favourite seaside painting and Miss Jane told me afterwards that uh, I found a message saying, press this button so we can see you. So I didn't actually realise. You were sitting there with your smart blow wave and I thought I was too, but there you are. Yeah, that's right, because <laughs> you got to do all the talking. So that was <laughs> fine by me. So I went, look, we, together we made a perfect person. Love the chat, says Sue Starling via Facebook while she knits. She also did an online yoga class while she listened. So her isolation life today is pretty good. It's a beautiful day. We're in a good mood. Corrie, how is your May Challenge going? May Challenge is up and running, Caro. Well, the official one, which is, um, remember I said I would walk the waterways of Melbourne. Uh, on the weekend after work on Sunday afternoon, I took myself down to the Yarra River Remember we used to walk the dogs and let them have a swim in the Yarra at Fairview Park in Hawthorne? We did. All those years ago when our dogs were, you know, much fitter and alive indeed. Well, I walked from Fairview Park up uh, north basically under the Swan Street Bridge, under the Bridge Road Bridge, up to uh, I suppose it's Barker's Road and um, Victoria Street where they meet. And then I walked back through the lovely street of Hawthorne. It was such a beautiful day. It was quite misty afternoon. Beware of the cyclists would be one of my suggestions. But gosh, the Yarra River is beautiful and quiet around that part of the world. Well, I need to thank you. You've been my inspiration. Brendan and I have done two massive Yarra River walks in the last few days, done a couple of beach walks, and our next guest and I actually had a very soggy stroll around <laughs> Albert Park Lake last week. Another waterway, Corrie. Anna from the Op Shop, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hi, Anna. So you girls had a... But, Kara, uh, you was walking your... What was your May challenge? You weren't walking, were you? No, were it was you the Iris Murdoch back catalogue, and they're all back catalogue now because, obviously, Iris is no longer with us. I've started The Italian Girl, and I'm absolutely loving it. So more on that next week. No. And I just wanted to tell Nicola Whitehead, have written the first 
uh, I wouldn't say draft of the children's book, but I really put pen to paper a couple of nights ago and started thinking about, you know, what's my, I've always had the backstory, but kind of what's the critical, you know, moment, what's the cliffhanger moment. So stay tuned. It's called a plot, and I'm sure you'll find one. <laughs> remember on our Cornish walk last year with Anna? Remember, Anna, we were always trying to think of names for Corrie's villain? Totally. Well, I, thought, I thought we were rather inspirational as we were over Hill and Dale. <laughs> Obviously not. Well, the, the, the nemesis, we felt, had to be an Australian animal. Do you remember? So we kept thinking of these animals, but no, a koala, too cuddly. You know, mm. what looks wicked and evil? Tasmanian devil, cliché. <laughs> You're going to, it's going to be a great book, Corrie. And speaking of animals with names, Anna, you've got a new friend in your house, I, I gather. I certainly <laughs> have. And guaranteed to spark joy is young Freddie, a small puppy. So Congratulations <laughs> on the birth of, or the arrival of your new puppy. Corrie, I just met Freddie before we started this uh, podcast. She is the most gorgeous little creature. I must say, she is absolutely beautiful. She looks completely completely different to all your other schnauzers. I Anna. think because she's got different markings and I think maybe girls are smaller. I mean, she's only a K and a half. I mean, you'd be wanting to lose that. Wait, not you personally, but everyone would be wanting to lose it. So it, it's not very much. She's tiny. I also love the fact that you've called her Fred. It's like Fred Vargas, the crime writer, who everybody thinks is a bloke. No, no, not at all. Exactly. Well, Fred was my grandfather's name and I wanted it for my son and I couldn't get it past himself. So now I'm using it. Well, uh, look, I think of all the things to do during a pandemic, if you can, and it's not easy to get pets at the moment because there's waiting lists everywhere, although there are a lot... Oh, can I just confirm that here, here? There's, but there are lots of pounds and there's a lot of, you know, re- there's rescue dogs and anyway... I'm so envious, Anna, because I think it's such a wonderful thing to be doing when you're in isolation. Well, it's, per- it's she is the perfect time waster. So days have just gone past since last Friday. I barely know it's Tuesday, so it's fabulous. And how, how's she coping with the night times, Anna? Is she up a bit? She is up a bit. We're all up a bit. I mean, it's it's way better than the newborn. Not nearly as much responsibility, but still that same sort of feeling of, oh, my God, I'm up. But it's all and dare good. I, dare I ask, how's Monty coping? Monty's actually been fabulous. A little a little testy in the beginning, and I think he thought after the first night, I hope she's gone. That was just one sleepover. I don't have to de- <laughs> deal with it ever again. But, no, he's come I know, good. I know kids who feel that way when the baby comes home from hospital. Exactly. No, same sort of thing. No, he's going well. And, I mean, all I've done is talk to four-legged friends for the entire weekend. So... It's lovely to be looking at adults, actually. Corrie, Corrie, I don't think Anna will mind me saying this, but he's a first. He's obviously a. He loves dogs more than anyone I know, and she is the first person I know to when people said, "What do you want for your next major birthday?" <laughs> to say, if you're going to take up a collection, I'd love a puppy. But in fact, your uh, birthday party was cancelled at the start of the pandemic, and you bought one anyway. I just thought, look, I've got a got to go on. I mean, forget the diamond ring, although it would have been lovely, and a few friends have texted through and said, the ring would have looked good on your finger. I'm so happy I've got the four-legged. So, so Anna, tell us how it's all unfolded for you. During this time? Yes. I look, mean, obviously, the op shop for a start is not with us at the moment. No, no, no job, no op shop. So that's really disappointing. No footy, really disappointing. No fun in our 60th year, disappointing. Ruby's lost her job, very disappointing. But, however, on the upside, it's actually been fine. I mean, low level of boredom. 
I've hit rock bottom, I've come back, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, I've loved the walking more, cooking more, reading heaps, even family time. It's all been really good. I mean, I'm looking forward to it ending and I'm looking forward to reclaiming my old life. But it's been fine. I mean, we, we are so fortunate in that way. It, you know, it hasn't been too bad. I never know. Corrie, do you reckon you've hit rock bottom yet? It's funny you say that, Caro, because if, if I noticed and detected over the weekend working in the shop that there had been a real change in those few days that I had not been in the shop. And it's like we're coming up to week six, the novelty's worn off, mm. we're really agitated. And I suspect part of that might have been prompted by federal government and Victorian government arguing with one another over recent times about what can open and what shouldn't stay closed. Because I think that anxiety then, whether uh, we realise it or not, it just in, it just becomes part of our own system and our own psyche. Look, it's a, it's such an an evolving story. The um the schools, the the public gatherings, the football. It's so different in every state. Um, in fact, I'm I'm not trying to take personal responsibility for this, but I was in the makeup chair of Offsiders on Sunday, and um the producer of Insiders came up and said, "Oh, look, do you mind just vacating the chair for a moment? Because it's all being done with gloves and masks, as I've said, in separate rooms." Um, Dan Tian needs to come in. And so obviously Dan and I had a bit of a chat about the Tigers because he's a Richmond fan. And and Sue, who is a wonderful makeup artist, has a son in VCE. So we got into schools and we got on to, you know, the federal government versus the Victorian government. And I'm not saying I fired him up, but he then went on the <laughs> insiders. I mean, I actually sort of can I understand. Well, he he, came, he went. He absolutely gave Daniel Andrews the biggest serve of all time, and I'm actually not sure that I. And even you know some of the people in makeup who have children doing VCE and other say, look, we're now sort of used to it. Like not everybody is desperate to get their kids back to school, and I understand many who are. And there are exceptions if you really need to get your children back to school, but. I don't mind the strict rules anyway. By the end of the day, I think he had to put out the rather sheepish apology, didn't he, and say, I was yeah, out of line. You, no, you fired him up big time. <laughs> big time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was, it was you. And talking about Tigers set him off. Caro, it's really interesting, isn't it, because that apology, I, which was quite heartfelt, I thought. I mean, clearly what's happened is Scott Morrison, before the interview, has said, uh, you know, have a crack at the Andrews government. And... Dan Tian's gone on and given more than a crack and then probably come off air, taken a call from a rather agitated PM who said, you've got to wind this back. and Because me and Dan, the, the man, are meant to be working Dan, hand in hand, yep. But maybe it's time, it's a sign of the times that Dan Tian actually felt that he could just go, look, mea culpa, I overreacted, I apologise, you know, out of line. You know, would that have happened six months ago and the cut and thrust of regular politics? Maybe we're all becoming a little gentler with one another. So would you, Anna, would you send your child to school next week if they do lift the restrictions? I would, because I'm sure it's all going to be fine. But if they don't and we're all still in lockdown, then I'm sort of sitting on the fence. I can't make up my mind whether I want the restrictions to be lifted or not. But if they were, I would send my child to school for sure. See, Corrie, you know, the numbers were so good and they they Mm. continue to be absolutely brilliant in South Australia and Queensland. Victoria's had a bad couple of days. Those large meat workers. Largely, think, yes, due to the meat workers. I think the canteen, that was a canteen issue, not a it does factory it's, issue. It, it's, it reminds us, though, that each state has its own, you know, unique character and 
climate and demographics. I mean, even in if you look at Queensland, the hubs of population compared with Sydney or Melbourne, for example, and these must all be considered and the states are different. And the Victorian Premier, going back to the, our own constitution, which gave the state specific rights, we, we have we have the power to to define our own coronavirus response in our own lockdown. And I think if Daniel Andrews feels that it might just be too soon right now, we should all heed that warning rather than listening to the other chattering voices around us, don't you think? Yeah, I've found it extraordinary, that narrative of the other day, Daniel Andrews is, you know, the Scrooge who's taken Mother's Day off the calendar. I mean, and then I think some public commentators here in Victoria. Neil Mitchell's pushed to change the date of Mother's Day. Absolutely but, ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's not just a commercial venture. And anyway, there are a lot of um, caterers who've turned it into an event and are doing home deliveries. I mean, And restaurants. and it, Look, it's not going to be the same sort of Mother's Day and many people won't be able to be with their mothers. And Corrie, you know, sadly, Peg is no longer with us. Anna and I are lucky enough to have our mothers. But and won't be seeing Mum on Mother's Day. Well, I'll be seeing mine at a distance, yeah. but, but that's it. And, and that's sort of all we can do. And we're trying to plan something nice to cook or drop round yeah. or, you know, do something. But I, I find it Mother's Day, don't, don't turn Mother's Day into this sort of um, victim-blaming um, sort of... Um, what's, the, what's the word? It's, it's, it's not expendable, Mother's Day. It's like Christmas Day. It's there and it's May and it's the second Sunday in May and that's it, Neil Mitchell. You don't move it around just so you can flog a few more heated booties or, or you know, I mean... Uh, why would you move Mother's Day just to make sure that people can all be together? Well, we are in spirit. It's going to be more of a digital Mother's Day. There's no doubt about that. A lot of FaceTiming's going on, I think. Well, but- our families all subscribe to the Breast Cancer Walk Run, whatever. So we're all going to do it in Sydney and in Melbourne and around Victoria. So that's going to be one thing. But But I also... The, the footy thing's moving so quickly that who knows what we're going to hear before May 11. I mean, last 10 days ago, from the time we're sitting here now, Anna, they said borders could be closed until September across Australia and football will be played in hubs. Now they're going to fly flow is a new yeah. term, <laughs> along with optionality, another Gillan McLaughlin term. A lot but of that's new such words. Bad word. Can I just say optionality is not a word. It's like strategization. They don't exist. Well, Corrie, <laughs> according to your Scrabble dictionary, it's there. I hate to tell you because we looked it up. But I've anyway, never heard of it. I know me neither. But but Too you know many that's. That no, but it, it will. You Google it and it comes up. Yes, that is a word. So Anna, what about your Mother's Day? Look, we're just having, I mean, we're not saying mum because she's at the beach and we don't really do Mother's Day. I mean, we do it with mum and we normally do a movie and lunch because it's just a lovely idea to get together. But we were not really a Mother's Day family. If you said to mum, what do you want for Mother's Day? Pleases and thank yous. <laughs> so she was never big on the commercial uh, prezi. I just say to my family, cook dinner. That, yep. uh, really, other than that, couldn't care less. And we're the same with Father's Day. I mean, it's just not. We don't really think, roll I with it. This year, I think this no. year, Anna, it's going to be, um, it's all going to be about the gesture, don't you think? Like the gesture is going to be more important than ever before. So it might be the gesture of uh, the Zoom family get together, or it might be the gesture of sending a book around in a, par- <clears throat> in a parcel the day before, or like Carol, you said you might drop some food off or see Jewel from a distance across a balcony or whatever and have a cup of tea together. But I just think it's that it's that effort of acknowledgement rather than everybody rolling their eyes and saying, oh, we've got to do the old traditional Mother's Day lunch. Not an option this year. No. I mean, no. it's a time of 
packed restaurants and a thousand million yeah. people around the walking streets of Melbourne. And it's just a bit hallmark for me. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not dissing it, and of course it's lovely to see your mother, but. And yeah. I'll be ringing up, but... Well, we should be all doing nice things for our mothers at the moment anyway, and you're totally. making special visits as we all are and seeing them at a distance. Exactly. Now, Corrie, did you... Um, do you have a view about the Herald Sun's decision to publish those Dean Laidley photographs the other day? Oh, Caro, I couldn't agree with you more when you were talking on Footy Classified this week when you said it really is a story of two stories, isn't it? On the one hand, there are the charges that have been laid against Dean Laidley, former North Melbourne coach and premiership hero for various alleged offences. And then there is the fact that he has been photographed at the police station by the police who have circulated circulated it through through their iPhones to a few mates and someone has let it get through to the Herald Sun and someone on the Herald Sun news desk then decided that this might be a good thing to splash all over the front page. And there were photos of Dean Laidley in a woman's outfit, not looking, uh, the, the, you know, like clearly a man under stress and a mugshot and everything. It was just so inappropriate, such an invasion of privacy. It broke the law. Uh, and With serial I number was, two. We don't, was, we don't do mugshots was, in this country. I felt like um, we were in America. No, it was awful. And it's also you'll just never forget seeing it, and that's the worst thing for him, that it, such an invasion of privacy and... Yeah, the, it's terrible. It's a, it's tricky because most people had probably seen something on social media by the time they picked up the Herald Sun, and the Daily Mail was the only other media network, to my knowledge, in Australia, who's actually run with the photographs. The Age certainly didn't, or any of the TV networks. But um, just because people have seen them, I, it's a, it's a step further to splash them all over page one. And Corey, what about some of the? Um, Really irresponsible reporting from social media. You know, the, the mention of methamphetamines, but according to social media, I found that extraordinary. Well, it's, uh, when did, since when did we start quoting these anonymous social media sources? Are they actually journalists? Are they, like, are they reputable? No, probably not. But the other thing too, Cara, that really upset me was uh, just today as a little bit of preparation for our chat, I just, uh, I ended up down a Google you know, whole really, um, looking at cross-dressing and the impact that it can have, why some men decide to and what is involved. I ended up on the Beyond Blue site and so on. And there's a raft of reasons which when you put photographs of, of a football hero and then don't follow it up with what does this mean, what could be going on, what's happening here. It, you know, it, there are so many issues. It, depression can play a role in this. Self, self-loathing, guilt... Uh, loss of identity, uh, lack of connectedness with others. It might just be somebody who wants to indulge in their feminine side. It might be a genetic issue. But none of this is explained in the context of what has happened in this very public uh, arena for somebody like Dean Laidley. And I just found the, I found, the, I just found it really sensational and really tacky. With all the talk, I mean, there's been so much talk and the AFL have ploughed a lot of money into dealing with, you know, mental health problems with their players. But to think that late last year, Danny Frawley died, there's been the Bomber Thompson, Mark Thompson issues and his pretty serious at the time police charges and all of his issues with drugs and James Heard. James Heard. I mean, it's quite, uh, Craig brought it up on Footy Classified the other night. It's quite extraordinary. Four pretty high profile AFL coaches. Post-game. That yep. obviously they just can't cope with 
and, life and, and, and there are there are other issues that you know might go back to childhood. I mean, and not, mm. it's not just because you're an AFL coach, but it just there's something about it being an AFL coach that makes it even more extraordinary. And obviously, he's still coaching or was coaching a local a footy team in Maribyrnong and had spoken on their league's podcast the other day about how tough he's finding it in that isolation and missing footy. So. Yeah, it's a pretty... Really sad story and just so sensationalised. It was a disgrace. Terrible and obviously pretty serious charges too. Caro, did you find among your football um, contacts and everything sympathy for Dean for the way that this was portrayed in the media? Oh, yeah, and people, I know a lot of people who know him well. I, I got on with Dean really well. I always really liked him, met him for coffee a few times, found him really easy to talk to. I remember once when a commentator... Um, Compared North Melbourne to some sort of second-grade woman you would pick up on a Saturday night that had a poor performance, and he did it on radio, and I then went on 3AW and had a real crack at this commentator, and Dean Ladley actually rang me up and was horrified at the sexist nature and the vile nature of the comparison. I just always remember this phone call. But I'm, oh, no, Mm. Corrie, people are very worried about him, really worried about his mental state, really, you know, obviously worried for his children and issues there. And oh, absolutely horrified yeah, at, at what happened. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people knew that he had issues, but no one quite knew that it had quite come to this. So, no, it was um, very, very sad. But on a cheerier note, and thanks to Red Energy, call 131 806 for Real Aussie Energy. Corrie, you have a crush. I do, Caro. My crush is Anderson Cooper, who you and Anna may know as the silver-haired uh, rather charismatic award-winning journalist. He's on CNN and he announced on air this week, and in fact I was watching it, um, the birth of his son. Now some of you might know Anderson Cooper also as the son of Gloria Vanderbilt who died last year. She was in her 90s. Um, Anderson was, I think, from her fourth marriage, third or fourth marriage. Anyway, he t- he said on, son- on CNN on May. One day I became a father. I've never actually said that before out loud and it still kind of astonishes me. I'm a dad, I have a son and I want you to meet him. And then he showed viewers a photo of this very cute little baby, three days old. And then he, Anderson goes on to say, as a gay kid, I never thought it would be possible to have a child. I'm grateful for all of those who paved the way and the doctors and nurses involved in my son's birth. And then he gave a huge shout-out to the surrogate mother and her family who, who um, the surrogate who carried this baby boy through. And it was the most evolved, um, wise, tender. I mean, I was absolutely, I was absolutely tearing up at this. He said, I'm eternally grateful to our remarkable surrogate who carried Wyatt, watching over him lovingly, tenderly, and gave birth to him. So I just thought for all of those people who may think that surrogacy is odd or gay couples who might think, should we, in fact, indeed embark upon this? I'm here to tell you that Anderson Cooper is my uh, pin-up for the week. I thought he handled it terribly um, with enormous uh, grace and sensitivity. And as he said, it's been a difficult time in all our lives at the moment and in times like this to hold on to moments of joy and moments of happiness. So uh, there you go. He is my crush of the week, girls. Lovely, Corrie. And um, on the subject of Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, who um, also sponsor one of my favourite segments on the show, and that is BSF, Book, Screen and Food. And Anna, we're each going to do one this week, so you kick off with your book. 
Well, my book, and Corrie, you'll know this one, but I hadn't heard of it. Someone from Book Club told me about it. It's the 2019 Miles Franklin award-winning book, Too Much Lip. Yes. By the Indigenous author, Melissa. Oh, you've lent this to me. Have I? Yes. Yeah, I've got it at my house. It's another one I have to start. It's fantastic. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing her surname um, Lukashenko. Yes, that's it. Well done. I think that's her name. Anyway, it's fabulous and probably not the sort of book I normally would have read, but I found it beside my bed. It's a contemporary dark comedy um, about an Aboriginal family who are constantly living sort of on the edge of things. And it's set in a small fictional town. And it's a sort of entertaining family saga and it's told through a fast plot. Um, And the themes, I mean, it's fairly... Um, big heavy themes of sort of settler colonial um, violence and intergenerational trauma, they're examined, but also there's family secrets sm- and small town politics. And I was re- I checked up on the author and she had said in a recent interview, it's a very gritty novel and violent, but I'd like to think it's pretty damn funny too. And it was. So oh, a okay. really good recommendation. Well, Corrie, I'll, I'll go next just because I'm sitting here and I'm holding it in front of me and I'm not sure whether you gave this your seal of approval or not, but I really enjoyed Where the Cruel Dad Sing. I really did. The Pandemic Times, it seems to be the feel-good book that everybody's turned to in the last six weeks. Yeah, well, she's a she's obviously a wildlife writer. Mm. That's what she's known as and she's a scientist. Um, one from Africa, The Cry of the Kalahari, I think was her most famous Book. Anna's shaking her head here, mm. Corrie. You can't see this, but um... I think it's a bit blue lagoon for me. But just saying, <laughs> you know, I, me- I mentioned that I mentioned your blue lagoon <laughs> comment in the Channel Nine makeup room the other day. Lavinia Nixon was absolutely horrified. Blue lagoon. I, I was sobbing. I mean, I must say, I was sobbing at the end. Were oh, you? So- no, I was sobbing at the end. No. But there was just all that sort of the waves lashing on the riverbank and the no, all of that. I found a little bit. Hey, girls, trivia question. Who played the boy in Blue Lagoon opposite Brooke Christopher Shields? Atkins. I interviewed him it. when I was writing for TV scene. I remember. Um, Corrie, well, it, look, it's obviously set in the Deep South. It's a story of a young girl, Kaya, real name Catherine, whose mother, mother abandons her when she's about six years old. And I love all her family back history, the father. All, I thought that was really well written. Drunken, violent father who came from a wealthy family but lost everything. Long story short, early in the book, it's two stories. It's the story of how Kaya was abandoned by pretty much everyone in her family and became known in the village, the town, as the Marsh Girl. A bit of, there's a few different genres here. A bit of To Kill a Mockingbird too, Corrie, because there's a court case and it's a murder mystery. There's a murder that happens about 15, 16 years after the story begins and we sort of flash back and forward from Kaya's upbringing and her very tough but quite inspirational life, which Anna completely is sceptical about. But um, beautiful descriptions of the marshes and the that was sea the and the shells. and the. Anyway, Corrie, has it got done well in your shop? Oh, I can't begin to tell you, Cara. I think I was saying this a couple of weeks ago that Crawdads was a 2018 book and in 2019 it was one of the top two novels of 2019. The top one, of course, was Your Boy Swallows Universe. So if you think about that, it's 2019 and the top-selling books for the year were released the previous year, which is which shows their longevity and the word of mouth. It's They're amazing stats. I feel a Reese Witherspoon um, telemovie coming on. <laughs> now, Corrie, what have you been reading? Uh, 
I've read Little Disasters, Caro and Anna. This is by Sarah Vaughan, who wrote a book that I was rather mad on a couple of years ago called Anatomy of a Scandal. So Sarah is a former Guardian political journalist and she's now turned her hand to fiction writing. And Little Disasters is a a good page turner, not as fabulous as Anatomy of a Scandal, I have to say, but nonetheless, I uh, got through this one in a couple of days. It's a group of friends who meet when their children are all babies and they start a mother's club or a mother's group, um, like we all did, for example, back in the day. And um, this is a few years down the track and, and everybody's had a couple of kids later. One of the girls, Liz, is now working as a paediatrician at the local hospital and she's on call one night when her friend Jess, who's also in the mother's group, arrives in emergency with her new baby daughter who appears to have had a terrible tumble, or has she? So it's all about what happened to the child, what is Jess's backstory here, there's lots of discussion about whether she's had postnatal depression, all of that sort of thing. But dark thoughts, carefully, carefully guarded secrets and suspicions and fears threaten the fabric of this friendship group. So there you go, Little Disasters by Sarah Vaughan. Well, that's a pretty good uh, trio of um, very, good very, <laughs> very different books. <laughs> Corrie, while you're on a roll, do you have a screen? Yeah, I do. Um, I have been addicted. I wanted to – I've been saving um, the uh, Sally Rooney series, Ordinary People, Carol, I have to say, for when I can get together with my daughters again so we can watch it as a group. So in the meantime, my hubby and I have been watching Agent Hamilton, which is SBS On Demand. It's a 10-part series. Have either of you seen this? No. no heard I about it. Haven't I've even heard about it. <laughs> So this is another recommendation from our friend Mary Stephen, who is just like, it has been perfect tip after perfect tip, Mary. Hello to you and thanks heaps. Agent Hamilton is Carl Hamilton, Swedish-born, American-educated and soldier-trained, and he arrives back in Sweden, back in Stockholm. Uh, we're not really sure why. Uh, we're not sure whether he's working for the CIA or whether, in fact, he might be working for the Russians or is he on the side of SAPO, which is the Swedish police? And then there's Kristen, of course, who's kind of like Wonder Woman at SAPO and she's she can't make head nor tail of him and she's trying to solve the mystery of uh, Carl Hamilton's identity, not to mention, of course, the terrible terrorist attack that occurred in the park uh, an attempt to kill a politician. So really, Pacey, loving it and um, beautiful, beautiful scenery around Stockholm and the rivers and lake system around there. Another Scandi for us, mm. Anna. Anna, what about you? Look, um, Corrie, I know that you have rather a lack of interest in country music, but this <laughs> is your chance to appreciate it. My screen is the country music mini-series by documentary filmmaker Ken Burns, who I'm sure you know. Believe it or not, it's called Country Music. And it oh, is fabulous. Say, Kenny, watch us there for a minute. <laughs> it's being advertised in the new country style. It looks incredible. It's incredible. It's on SBS On Demand. We watched it on SBS, but now it's on demand. It's narrated by that American actor, remember Peter Coyote? Yes. Who has that yes. beautiful hypnotic voice. Anyway, it's narrated by him and it looks at the history of the rhinestone cowboy and cowgirls. From Hank Williams to Johnny Cash, from Tammy Wynette to Dolly Parton, from Hillbilly to Nashville, it is 
fabulous. Is Glenn Campbell in it? Oh, Carol, everyone's in it. And <laughs> the episodes, they're so they're just an hour, but they're so dense that you feel like you sat through Jane's Nodding Ahead, a two-hour film. But my favourite, Jane, was in one series, they, someone said, what's country music? How do you define it? And they, said, they summed it up. They said, three chords and the truth. I thought, that is just brilliant. Anyway, it features great music, obviously, and it has fabulous footage of, like, documentary footage of the artists, their histories, where they lived. You saw Dolly Parton's shack. It's all fabulous, all set in the context of sort of wider America. So it's seriously, even if you're not a country music fan, it's fabulous. Really good. That's that sounds can like a really just, good. Um, can I just correct the record, please? It mm. was really Kenny Rogers and Glenn Campbell. No. I had an issue with. I don't. It was country music. <laughs> <laughs> what about Dolly? How could anyone? Oh, I've got some more I Dolly. Love Dolly. Tips. Hey, listen. I That's love like Dolly. I did not shoot Bambi. I love Dolly, okay? I love Dolly. Well, Dolly and Kenny did a couple of famous duets, Corrie, but anyway. <laughs> what's your screen? What have um, you been watching? Oh, I've fallen in love with this and I'm so sad it's over. Afterlife. Oh. It is oh. the most... Dying to see it. Oh, it, it. Brendan and I started watching it, I can't remember, late last week. We um, binged through Series 1 and Series 2. It is... Um, it li- a bit like Fleabag. Um, I think Jared Waitley mentioned it. For- I heard him mention it on his radio show a few weeks ago, and I thought few people have told me about this show. It's basically a story of grief, but it's um, like Fleabag. It's very short episodes, which I love. So they only go for about twenty minutes. Oh my lord! It is just—is it Ricky Gervais? Ricky Gervais yeah. um, is a grieving widower, yeah, which... and he works in this tragic newspaper office <laughs> in rural England. It, I mean, the cast of characters in this newspaper office—they are so brilliant. You know, Corrie, um, Ashley Jensen from um, Agatha Raisin. She, yes, she is one of the love interests. In the, Who's actually in, a really good actor or actress, I have to say. She's brilliant in this. Another um, face um, well-known to us all is Penelope Wilton, who, of course, is from Downton Abbey, you know, Maggie Smith's sparring partner in Downton oh, Abbey. Oh, love her. Yeah, yeah, the mother of um, yeah. Matthew. Matthew. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, is the, it is so funny. It is so sad. He, he, he varies from suicidal to back on top of the world. The musical score that goes with it is so good. Brendan and I laughed and I cried through so many of the episodes. Have you watched it? Jane's nodding her head. Yeah, I have. I haven't watched the new series, but I think it is an exceptional piece of television and so dark and deep, but yet so Who knew? And there was a postman, the postman character in it, whose name is Pat, who is a homeless, I don't even, who, Ricky, um, anyway, look, I won't even say, but there's all these different oh, women in I'm it. You wonder it. which one is going to end up with Ricky. He can't get over his wife, who has left him a series of um, filmed messages from her hospital bed. And obviously a lot of their life was filmed anyway in home movies and he lies in bed and basically looks at her, her latest bit of advice. And Anna, all he has to keep him company is his dog. Oh, this beautiful... Should have, that should have been your intro. The dog is one of the stars Ray of the show. more interesting. Oh, no, I'm on. It sounds I'm, good. I'm sorry to rave, but I really yeah. absolutely... Chris and, can't cop him, but I'll have to go Oh, solo. no, 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 no. He'll love it. I think there's something about Ricky Gervais, isn't there? He has some... He has really, really good timing. So whether it's in a comedy sense or, or a dramatic sense, I think he could really nail that brief, actually. 
and it, it, it demonstrates the humour in grief, the politics of grief, the selfishness of grief. Anyway, it's absolutely brilliant. Now, while I'm on a roll, the new Delicious arrived at our house last week, courtesy of um, Clementine's Home Delivery Service. It is one of the best um, editions of this magazine I have ever seen. On the front, the, on the cover, is an Otto Lenghi freeform pork and fennel lasagna with bacon bechamel. But no, I didn't make that. <laughs> How rich does that sound? I made, to go with roast chicken, roast carrots, dill, maple syrup, harissa and on a bed of hummus. Yum. It was so easy. It was so smart. It looked like a really incredible complicated Otto Lingi number. I do love maple syrup, so I had that in the cupboard. Everything else you'd have in the cupboard if you have a bit of harissa. Absolutely delicious. What about you, Anna? Well, I actually, we had the family dinner last night and I cracked out the um, Falliston cookbook, the Middle Eastern new one, and did a chicken sumac Palestinian dish. And I think it's called, uh, it's another hard word to pronounce, Musakan. And it's, I think they, they knock it up every single day of the week. Oh, it took me all day to do it. But I'm sure when you do it the second time, it'll be way easier. You mar- oh, The recipe will be on the show notes. But you marinate chicken in sumac, cumin, cinnamon and allspice. You roast that. Then you grill pita bread. So you, it, you're meant to eat it with your hands, but we all had separate plates. And then you um, caramelise red onions and parsley, lemon juice and pine How nuts. delicious. Well, Corrie has raved about this cookbook. No, it's absolutely divine, Corrie. And, and that, the Palestinians sort of just use the pita bread like a knife and fork. But I'd done the roasted cauliflower and another salad. So we actually had four plates. But absolutely divine. And it actually was easy. I was just faffing around and it took me all day, but it shouldn't. Well, again, again, with all the sort of Ottolenghi and Sammy Tamimi recipes, you, it requires a lot of herbs and spices. But as Cheka said in Ballarat the other day, because she's been cooking way more than I have been out of Falliston, she's cooked about eight or ten dishes. And as she said the other day, Mum, when you've got all the stuff in your pantry, the cumin and the and the cardamom pods and the whatevers and the whatevers. The harissa and the, yes, yeah, just, the sumac got, and the... Yeah, and then every time you go down to the supermarket, you just know mentally to chop up. She said basically it's always the same group of spices yes. done yeah. in a different way for a different kind of taste or hit. It's so true. I just think the cooking is fantastic. I'm glad you love the book. I love that book, Anna. Love it. And what I love, Corrie, was that it also says for your vegetarian friends, use, um, you know, cauliflower florets or chunky bits of aubergine. So, you know, I mean, you can cook it, some chicken, some vegetarian. No, I thought it was great and it was absolute finger-licking good. What about you, Corrie? On the topic of um, good books, I thought I would just mention again, send a bit of love the way of this book that I've been, I've talked about before on the pod, but it's called Round Two Hours. Uh, this is by Lauren Jackson and Alice Levine. Carol, you might recall a few months ago I mentioned this cookbook. These are the two girls, the London girls, who go around yep. to your house and cook in your pad for you, or if your apartment is too small to have six or eight or ten people, you actually can hire, if you like, their apartment and go around to their place, and they cook for you and there are so many fantastic recipes in round to ours 
But on the weekend, I did um, a bit of an old favourite. I really do think it's the last hurrah of the tomatoes. I just don't think I can bring myself to buy any more after um, May, really. But this is roasted tomatoes with white beans, which is really delicious and really easy. You throw a couple of anchovy fillets into that, always adds the taste. And the slow-roasted shoulder of lamb with anchovy sauce. So oh, that is a really yum. great book. Um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll take a photograph of it and we'll pop it up on our Instagram account, Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account. Uh, and um, people can have a look at the cover and then have a bit of a dive in via Google. It's a really good little cookbook. I, I, can't, I just can't tell you how often I sort of turn to it for inspiration. The name of the cookbook again? Round to Ours, like Round to My House, Round to Ours by Laura Jackson and Alice Levine. And thank you, Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, leader in renewable energy. Call 131806 for real Aussie energy. Now, Cara, you're grumpy. I am grumpy. I need to, first of all, I need to um, admonish Miss Jane. No, Jane, I got a very um, urgent text from Anna the other night. She was making the cake that I mentioned again in my recipes last week. The cooking time was not included in the show notes. <laughs> Sorry, Jane. And I've burnt a few cakes lately, so I've lost my um, confidence. And I had to text Karen. I think she was probably on air. I couldn't believe she actually texted me back and gave me the correct time. Isn't yeah. that because um, Corrie stuffs her shortbreads up, so we've just gone, you just need to get used to your oven, people. That's my defence. No, you need to know to the minute. The apple and raspberry cake is 40 to 45 minutes, but I, I did 45 to 50. I took your advice and mine was magnificent. So, Corrie, but I'm not really grumpy about that because we love Miss Jane. What I'm actually <laughs> grumpy about is, the, I know this is boring, but have you ever been more obsessed than you are at the moment by the weather and by a good oh. day and a bad day? I mean, yeah. there's so little other right. things to plan for. First thing I look at in the morning, weather. And yeah. I'm always ringing out mum saying, look, you, it's going to be raining soon. I, I, the weather over the weekend was so disgusting, so and bad. all my I, I've because in Corrie, you and I've talked about our veggie gardens and what we're going to do over winter. I've planted things from seeds this year, not seedlings like I normally do. My lettuce was sprouting, my Brussels sprouts were sprouting. Um, I had some um, some uh, what are they? Not um, sugar snap peas, not snow peas, sugar snap peas. The little tiny little things were coming out in the little baby pots and I had them all protected. So they were germinating, I think, they is were ger- that's scientific the word, word Caro. Completely destroyed. Just with the well, rain. Well, the, the lettuce was blown away oh, yeah. and it was a wilted, soggy little tiny... I was going to say, they would have been sogged out. Uh, it was just absolutely... And, and I've been told since by my friend Johnny, happy birthday, Johnny, that we need a thing called a cloche to put over them, C-L-O-S-C-H. He's made his out of chicken wire and double glad wrap, but you can sort of order them if you're a member of Digger's Seeds or whatever. People are really trying um, <laughs> some new things in the time of the virus, aren't they? Oh, it's very... Doesn't it feel like uh, we just didn't have autumn? Yeah, we didn't. Well, it still is autumn, no, it's technically. it's beautiful today, but... But the last two weekends have just, with, this, with the rain going sideways and record you know, snow dropping on Mount Buller. It has honestly, like, where did where did autumn go? Those lovely, misty, beautiful, slightly warm, around your 16 to 17 degree mark, where did they go? Well, it's only early May, Corrie. Don't give up on it yet. I haven't given up on the Indian <laughs> summer. I've given up on your Indian <laughs> summer, darling. Are you going to replant, Caro? That's the question. I'm going to 
try. I'm going to try the cloche, mm. and I'll be replanting and hoping that some of them come back to life. I haven't even bared to look at them the last two days. Maybe a bit of sun will do them good. Now, um, six quick question time. Thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. Anna, have you jigsawed up? I love Corrie's wording. <laughs> Teared up, jigsawed up. Have you jigsawed up during the lockdown? I have Ruby and I are on our second, and all I'd like to say is they're harder than they look. <laughs> you, 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 Five hundred, a thousand, a thousand word. We started pieces. off pieces. Sorry, <laughs> word. We start. We did one, and then we got on to um, the Grand Canal in Venice, and there's a lot of sea and a lot of water and a lot of sky. So we're really that's hard. Oh, well, yeah, well I, but... was telling, I was telling you girls about our friend Anna who has a yes. shop at Merchants at Sorrento, Cape Merchants, beautiful shop down at Sorrento, Main Street, and she is now taking photographs of around the bay, so a little red boat or a uh, windswept day or something like that, and she sends it off to a puzzle manufacturer and they are turning her photographs into puzzles. It's a and great And she showed idea. the first one on the Cape Merchant Instagram account the other day. It looked fantastic. I think that might have been better for our good local tip segment, Corrie, if you don't mind me saying, but that's all right. We can continue to make tips during the show. Okay, Caro, question to you. 40 years since Breaker Morant premiered at the Cannes Film Festival and critics declared it was the birth of the Australian film industry. Do you agree with that statement? I love that film, but I disagree. It was five years earlier when Picnic at Hanging Rock... Um, well, Picnic at Hanging Rock was 1975, so that must be 45 years by my reckoning. Yeah. By, by my reckoning. Um, Picnic at Hanging Rock, it was a life changer for me. And, in fact, we watched it again the other night. I watched it with my son, Ned, who is, has got a film club and who's a film, producer, a film director himself. It is a beautiful film. And that was a film that really, I think, started... Pat Lovell produced, Peter Weir directed, changed the Australian film industry for me. But yeah, Breaker was a great film too. Corrie, who is your media crush this week? Well, I think it's probably a what is my media crush, Anna, because it's the Spectator magazine, Mm -hmm. which uh, this month celebrates its 10,000th issue. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think about 52 weeks in a year, and this comes out once once a week. Um, It was first published in July 1828, which makes it the world's longest standing, if you like, um, magazine that hasn't changed its format. It's always been dedicated to politics and culture. It has gone a little more right-wing in recent years. In fact, Boris Johnson, our dear Boris, used to be an editor in the 90s of The Spectator magazine. Our dear Boris. Interesting articles. (laughs) Um, I love so many of their columnists like Taki uh, and different ones. Um, And uh, I just... um, I'm a, real, I'm a real fan of The Spectator and I think that's a remarkable achievement in this day and age. Caro, what's your latest Eddie Maguire gaffe that you're loving? <laughs> oh, well, I'm not loving it, but um, it, it's funny. It's something about footy classified hosts. Um, you, you haven't sort of made it unless you've um, provoked a Susie O'Brien column on the Herald Sun website. Now, Eddie made an unfortunate comment last week. Um, we played the Rory Sloan comment when he said it's, it's difficult because how can I say to my wife that my job's more important than hers? And Eddie said, well, I can tell, I can tell you there's 500,000 reasons why Rory's job is more important than hers. And I said, well, Belinda Sloan is a very senior media figure in her own right, Eddie. And he said, yeah, but, you know, he makes a lot more money than her. And um, there are a lot of people very unimpressed. And um, Susie sort of made that 
made that point in no uncertain terms in a comment about Eddie. I mean, look, it was just a really... It, it was an unfortunate thing to say. I mean, just because you earn more money than someone else, and yes, money is really important, but it doesn't mean your job's necessarily more important. Classic, Ed. <laughs> uh, Corrie, your funniest Zoom moment, please. Uh, board meeting last week. I think probably 12 people on screen, something like that. In the bedroom? And No, I wasn't in the bedroom this time, <laughs> Carol. I was in the kitchen. And uh, as uh, I'm listening intently, a mouse crawled out from underneath the fridge, oh. did a bit of a, did a three, oh. three or three or four laps of the kitchen oh. and then went into the pantry. Oh. With those pantry moths. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Probably after. Did you, did you squeak or squeal? No, I kept a straight face. I was sort of shocked to begin with because you just see something moving and you get a bit of a shock. And then I watched it and I thought, you know, do, do I throw something at it or like, what do I do? I'm in a meeting and whatever I do, you can't, and even if you go off projector, you know, off video, it still looks a bit odd. So I just kept the straight face and kept going. It's a weird. I'm sure, I'm, all that sort of thing's happening to people around oh. Australia as we speak. <laughs> oh, it's a weird time with rodents. I mean, I, we saw one walking just on a, a beach track the other day. Now, when did the, when did you ever see a mouse on a beach track? What just on the lurk? Yeah. Well, I mean, people are sort of their lifestyle habits are different. I mean, birds seem to be in funny places, and I don't know. It's a weird time. Anyway, Corey, you kick off with the last question. And it's to Anna Caro. So, Anna, what is the silliest or cutest item that you have bought Fred? Because I have a feeling you might have gone to one or two dog shops on your way to collect Fred the other day. I have done a lot of dog accessories, but I think probably the most outrageous would be the French antique wicker baker's bread basket that is his lair. (laughs) Anna. (laughs) Luckily, Chris probably won't be listening, so he won't be knowing. Goodness, where did you pick it up from? Look, I picked it up from Izzy and Popo a few years ago and I've just had it waiting, waiting, waiting. They are your lovely friends who relocated yes, to, to Berry, who I went and saw in Bob New South Dylan Wales. Yes. Yep, exactly. And they've still got their shop yes. front in yes. South Melbourne, is it? And that's their home and they've still got some shop front, so I picked it up from them. How divine. So you've got the designer, beautiful baby dog. And <laughs> she's not really designer, but she's so... She is a bit she's designer, really. I think she is. She's very elegant. And she, she's got such a cute little beard for a woman. Cute beard for a woman and the good Robert Menzies eyebrows. So she has almost been nicknamed Robert Menzies, you know, <laughs> even though we've only had her for three days. She's got the... Carol, we're going to have to put photos of this little baby up on Instagram as well. We are. She's got one of the most expressive faces <laughs> for a dog I've ever seen. Uh, that's the show, everyone. Anna, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Great Thank to, you, Anna. Great to have you back on board. It's been far too long. Thank you again to Red Energy, our sponsor, the Australian, 100% Australian electricity and gas supplier, powered by Snowy Hydro. Please call them on 131806. Thank you also for you, to you, and all your feedback and all your comments. We really appreciate it, negative or positive. Please join us on our social media via the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter using the handle at Don't Shoot Pod. And you can email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Keep listening for our GLT bonus app, which will drop on Saturday morning. And thank you, Miss Jane. Thank you. And Anna, Corrie. Don't shoot the messenger. Go, Anna. (laughs) 
This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806.